Okay, so life is like a sandwich. How? How is life like a sandwich? Life is like a sandwich. But you get to choose which kind of sandwich. The word sandwich itself, by the way, where does it come from? The Earl of Sandwich. You know who the Earl of Sandwich was? He was some uh, English aristocrat. And uh, he invented sandwiches because he was a big baltaiva. He had two taivas that he loved. He loved to eat greasy lunch meat. And he loved to play cards. And Nebuch, his two tivers, his two favorite tivers in the world were not compatible. Because when you're eating the greasy lunch meat and then you're playing cards, so the cards get greasy. So he was like, ah, oh, this isn't good. What can I do? So he invented the sandwich because he would basically just use the, the bread. He was like, ah, this is perfect. You take the bread and you grab the meat with the bread. Now you don't get your hands greasy and you play cards. So basically the whole idea of the sandwich, the word sandwich, the origins of the word sandwich are about trying to figure out how to get as much, I don't know, pleasure, luxury, convenience out of life all crammed into one situation. The Hillel which we, we shouldn't even really call it a Hillel sandwich because it's really a incongruous word. Sandwich itself is just a grub, just a crass thing. So uh, the Hillel, let's not call it a Hillel sandwich, it's called a Hillel, or called by its proper name, the Haggadah, the Koireich. What is that? That is somebody trying to take all the mitzvahs of the evening of Pesach and put them all together. So with one bite, you can do three mitzvahs. Pasach matzah Totally different approach to life. So a sandwich is basically, how can I cram all the pleasures of life into <laughs> the most convenient, lazy, uh, one-stop shop? And the koireich, the hillel, is how can I have as many mitzvahs at once how can I pack as many mitzvahs into the moment as possible? Totally different approach to life. My kids just came upstairs. As you can hear. There's no way you couldn't hear. By the way, the, the recordings of the Tanya Shir that we did at Chabad, people tell me all the time that their favorite thing of those Tanya Shirim we did them at Chabad, not at my house, is that uh, they hear kids in the background. And the reason is because we shot those classes in the library. And on the other side of the door behind the library, there's a nursery school class. So you hear kids playing in the background during all those 50 whatever Tanya Shurim that are on Soul Words. So <clears throat> we don't do the class of Chabad right now with the Corona and all that kind of stuff. So everything's on Zoom. So I'm at home. So I, I made sure that my kids should run upstairs and make noise in the background so that we could feel like we're at Chabad. <laughs> That's my cover. I'm pretending. Anyways, no, I didn't have to ask them to do it. They just did it spontaneously. 
Um, continuing regarding the Hillel, which we're not going to call the Hillel sandwich anymore. You know, they're one of my favorite stories. And my kids all know this story because I tell it at least once a year, usually twice a year. Okay, and I'm, you're going to figure out what two days a year I tell this story after I tell you the story. There was a, a chosid, a Lubavitcher chosid named Reb Hillel Paracher. Reb Hillel was, uh, he, he was a Rav. He was a, a very respected Talmud Chacham. He was uh, an, an extremely pious individual. Uh, to talk about the, the, the greatness of Reb Hillel, I mean, I, 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 the way I could probably sum it up is like this. The Tzemach Tzedek used to say that I have two chassidim who are half a chassid because they're half chassid, half rebbe. And that one was Hillel Paracher and the other one was Isaac Hummeler. The Tzemach Tzedek said that Hillel Paracher and Isaac Hummeler were both half rebbes. Anyways, Hillel Paracher was a rav in the town of uh, Babrusk. Which, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a town that had chassidim and a town that had not chassidim. So uh, the story is that one year there was this wealthy man there in town who procured a mohudadika esrik. Now remember, in those days, getting an esrik was much more difficult. So today, if somebody has a really fancy esrik, that means he spent the, he spent a hundred dollars more than everyone else in shul, okay? Two hundred dollars more than everyone else in shul. In those days, a mahudadik esrik, you know, to really have an, an esrik, a nice one, a special one, that meant that uh, you know, serious, serious uh, cash. So. Um, there was this wealthy man who had a special esrog, and uh, there was no other esrog like this in town. Just It was just in a different league. So uh, the first morning of, of Sukkot, meaning the first day of Yom Tif, this rich man, he, he gets up and he sees that Reb Hillel is standing on his doorstep, and it's dawn. And he sees Hillel, seems like he's been there for a while. So the rich man asks Reb Hillel, what are you doing here? And Reb Hillel says, I wanted to know if you would allow me to do the mitzvah of uh, Lulav with your esrim, your very special esrim. So the rich man says, yeah, sure, go ahead. And... Uh, then the rich man goes to shul. Now the rich man went to a different shul because there was a chesedish shul and there was the non chesedish shul. So Reb Hillel was the rav from the from the chesedish shul. So this uh, the the wealthy man goes on to shul, and he's talking the whole time about how Reb Hillel was so pious. Can you believe that he was standing on my porch? He had clearly been there since the middle of the night. And he was standing there for no other reason than he just wanted the opportunity that as soon as it turned dawn to be able to use my estrog. What a, uh, what a, what a God-fearing, highest Jew Reb Hillel is. And he was going on and on and on. 
Now, this rich man's own Rav overheard the whole discussion. He didn't like that because this rich guy is is basically gloating about, he's quelling about Reb Hillel, who's the Rav of the other Kehila, and he's doing it here in, in, in this other shul. So the, the Rav didn't like it. And he, he was jealous. I guess he was a small person. He was very jealous. So what did he do? The second day of Yom Tif, he made sure to get up in the middle of the night and come to this rich guy's house even earlier than what he heard that Hillel had come. So uh, when the rich man got up in the morning, he saw that uh, not only was Hillel there waiting to use his Lulav and Esrug, but his own Rav was there too. And in fact, his own Rav had gotten there even earlier. He made sure to get there even earlier. So uh, he, he let them bench Lulav and Esrug. And then he went to shul. And he davened. And he didn't say anything. He wasn't speaking about, oh, this morning, two Rabbanim came to my door to bench uh, Lulav and Esrug with my Esrug. And this was annoying the Rav because the whole point that the Rav had in mind was that he wanted attention for this. So he started subtly hinting like, oh, did anything interesting happen to you this morning? And the, the, the rich guy wasn't biting. He just, he, either he was oblivious or, or he knew what the Rav wanted and he just wouldn't, he wouldn't gratify him. So finally, <laughs> the Rav got so annoyed, he says, I don't understand. Yesterday you come in the shul and you won't stop talking about how Hillel Potichar came to your house to bench on your Lulav And he's not even your Rav. And now this morning, I, me, your Rav, I came to your house. You know, you don't tell anyone about that. You don't think that that's, that, 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 that's a big deal. So the rich guy says to his own Rav, he says, well, yeah, I guess I'm not really impressed because you don't even know what Yom Tefit is. See, it's, it's, it's Sukkis right now, and you think it's Pesach. The Rav was very confused. What, what does that mean? The rich guy says, well, see, it's Sukkis, which is why Hillel came to my house to bench with my Esrit. But apparently you think it's Pesach because you came to my house to be Mekayim, Cain Osa Hillel. Cain <laughs> Osa Hillel means this is what Hillel did. So he's saying, you're just, uh, you're a knockoff, an imitator. You're just, you're just imitating what Hillel did. So Cain Osa Hillel, that's Pesach. Sukkot right now, and you're doing Pesach. You're doing Cain Osa Hillel. Anyway, so yeah, I told you, my kids hear that story for me at least once a year, usually twice a year. So I usually tell that story uh, at least once on Sukkot and at least once on Pesach, and uh, sometimes even more often. I like the story. Okay, so that's that's the Kairach. I'll tell you one more thing about the Kairach. There's one time there was a shul called the Amaaretz shul. It was, a, it was a shul only for uh, ignoramuses. You couldn't, you couldn't be a Talmud Chacham in that shul. So uh, one year they were at Parshish, uh, 
Kairach. And uh, they said, stop. Somebody said, stop. Stop the Kriya. There's a Tos in the Sefer Torah. Found an error in the scroll. Oh, no. What is it? He says, look here. This word Kairach spelled Kufresh Ches. But I remember from the Haggadah, from Pesach, where Kairach is in the summertime. Pesach is in the spring. I remember from the Haggadah, the, you know, a few months ago, Kairach is with a Chof. So this is wrong. It's saying, it says Kuf. It says Kairach with a Kuf. Kairach is with a Chof. Who's confusing Kairach, who is the, you know, Mesha's cousin, who led a rebellion with Kairach, which means to wind or to wrap the, the sandwich, which we already said we're not going to call a sandwich. Um, so they were like, oh, no, you're right. There's an error in the Sefer Torah. What are we going to do? Should we continue laning? Should we stop? And then some guy got up and says, don't worry. I can make it all kosher. You remember back to uh, Pesach. I can remember all the way back to Parshas Chai Sada. You know, we laid Chai Sada in the... <sighs> Sorry. Usually around Cheshvan time. So says, I remember even further back than you. I remember the Parshas Chai Sada. And... Um, over there, if you remember, it says that Sada lived to be 120 and 7. And Rashi says, what does that mean? He says, Bas Kuf Kabas Chof. So it's all okay. <laughs> Bas Kuf Kabas Chof means 100 years old is like 20 years old. So, But, but the way he explained it was uh, that a Kuf and a Chof are, uh, are interchangeable. Okay. Um, was that hilarious? I don't know. What can I do? I don't write these jokes. These are just uh, classic old uh, Jewish jokes. All right. Um, so then uh, we have the meal. Go eat as you please. Um, after, after we eat the meal. So... Uh, I'll tell you something interesting about the meal. It, it says during the meal that you can eat, right? Right? So, it says, you're able to drink wine between the second and the third cup. It's interesting. Uh, you can't drink wine between the first and second cup, right? The first cup is Kiddush. The second cup is uh, Magid, or the cup that we said the Haggadah on. And then the third cup is benching, and the fourth cup is, you know, at the very end of the Seder. So you can't drink between the first and the second. But you can drink between the second and the third. You can't drink between the third and the fourth either. And after the fourth, you know, you don't drink at all. You don't eat or drink at all because you already had the Afikaim. It's interesting that uh, the four cups correspond to the four sons. Um, so the four sons is 
the wise son, the wicked son, the simple son, and the one who doesn't know how to ask. So it's interesting if the four sons correspond to the four cups, and the second cup, you're allowed to have more wine. You can't do that. With the first cup, you have one shot. Third cup, you have one shot. Fourth cup, you have one shot. Second cup is the only cup you can keep on taking another cup and another cup and another cup. That cup, second cup, corresponds to the to the Rosha, to the wicked son. What does that tell you? It tells you that when you're trying to be mikhat of this person who feels like an outsider and says, what does this mean to you? To you, not to him, right? person who feels excluded. We have as many shots as we need to take. Don't say, well, I invited him. He didn't come. Well, I, I tried to be nice to him. He, he, he didn't like it. The second cup, keep going at it until you get it right. There's one time there was a, an American uh, opera singer. He went to Italy to the, the, the fancy Italian opera hall, what's it called? La Scala, I think. Anyways, he sang his uh, aria, and afterwards, everybody uh, stood up and they, and they applauded until he came back out on stage and he sang an encore. And uh, then he walked off stage, and they stood up, and they applauded until he walked back out of the stage. He sang a second encore. And uh, he walked off stage, and they're still standing there, and they're still applauding. So he says to the stage manager, you know, the Italian stage manager, so the American singer says to the Italian stage manager, like, wow, look at this. They're applauding. They want me to come back out on stage again. They won't. They won't stop. They want me to come back out. And he, he, the Italian didn't like that the, the American was, you know, I guess, gloating a little bit too much. So the Italian stage manager says to the American, uh, the American tenor says to him, yeah, that's right. And they're going to keep having you come back out until you finally sing it right. When it comes to the Russia, you keep on trying until you get it right. Don't give up. Don't give up on any Jew. Okay. So then we do the afikoymen, which we call tzofen, which means hidden, because we hid the afikoymen, so we take it out of hiding. I will mention that the Lubavitcher Rebbe was very against the idea of having children steal the afikoymen. I know a lot of people have very warm, nostalgic Passover family memories regarding stealing the Afikoyman, the Rebbe didn't like it. The Rebbe said it's not worth, uh, you know, fun and games to uh, teach children, actually teach them the midah of uh, blackmail and, 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 and bribery and stealing. So we don't do it. I know a lot of people get upset about that because they, they love that custom so much. Okay, whatever. I'm just putting it out there. We don't do it. All right. Then uh, we have uh, Beirach, which is benching. Benching is benching, except uh, obviously you say Yalav Yove because it's Yomtif. Now, if it would be Shabbos this year, 
uh, it's not neither day of Yom Tov for Shabbos, but uh, you would also say to say for Shabbos. But we always say Yalav Yove. Then after the benching, we uh, we're pretty much you know at that point we're pretty much done. We go to the door for Elio. We finish the second half of Hallel. Remember, we said the first half of Hallel before we drank the second cup. So then we finish. We read the rest of Hallel. There's a lot of reading here, a lot of stuff. And then we say, at the end of the, all the Hallel, we, we, drink, we drink the fourth cup. And we say, Lashon haba Yerushalayim. And uh, it's important to understand this. Lashon haba Yerushalayim doesn't mean that we're saying that uh, we want to wait a full year until Mashiach comes. What we're saying is Mashiach should come right now and then automatically next Pesach will be in Yerushalayim. It doesn't mean that Mashiach can't come until next Pesach. It means that next Pesach we will already have been in Yerushalayim, hopefully for the, for the whole year. And uh, tell you one more thing: that at the end of the Haggadah, in many Haggadahs, you will see that after Lashana Babi Rishalayim, it says this concludes the Haggadah. Here concludes the Haggadah. In the Alter Rebbe's version of the Haggadah, the Alter Rebbe redacted a, a version of the Siddur uh, according to the, the Nusach of the Arizal. And in that Siddur is the Haggadah. So in the Alter Rebbe's Nusach of the Haggadah, at the end, after Lashon Ababir Shalayim, it does not say this concludes the Seder. Why doesn't it say this concludes the Seder? What, you have to sit there all night? What are you supposed to do? Where are you supposed to go? So Siddhis explains that the reason that the Al-Tarebbe intentionally did not write this concludes the Seder <clears throat> is because the Seder is supposed to continue all year long. Seder never ends. Seder's influence is felt with us every day for the entire year. It says here, Ha'oras kol ha'meidim mi'ira b'chol All of the yamim tevim have an effect all year long, not just on, uh, on the day they occur. Nur chaga pesach ve'nimshach shtendik. But pesach uh, is constant. Think about it. Without Pesach, there wouldn't be any other Yom Tev. Without Pesach, we wouldn't uh, be Jews. We wouldn't... Uh, reality would be nothing as we know it. So uh, the Seder isn't just uh, a once-a-year commemoration. It's uh, something we renew on a yearly basis but it doesn't end. It starts anew each year, but it doesn't end. It continues all, all, all year long. Okay, <clears throat> that's what I got for you. I'm not going to drag it out because I know uh, people 
are eager to get back to their Pesach prep. So, uh, Shana Bab Yerushalayim.